Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Mental health, self-talk and the voices in our head. It seems these are issues that are gaining prominence in our lives. The more lockdown continues. And I've discussed them with my guests in recent weeks here on Real Health. And this week, I wanted to go in-depth on the topic of the conscious mind and the conversations we have with ourselves, which can have such negative effects on our lives and also on the people around us. But if harnessed correctly, it can be a very powerful and positive force too. I'm delighted to say that award-winning psychologist Ethan Cross, who is one of the world's leading experts on controlling the conscious mind and has participated in policy discussion at the White House and is the author of Chatter, The Voice in Our Head and How to Harness It, joins me on the show Ethan, welcome to Real Health. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Carl. So this is one of our international expert discussions, and you are over in the United States. How have things been over there for the last couple of months? Uh, not so good. <laughs> they, they have not been great. But, um, well, the truth of it is uh, we're struggling with the pandemic uh, in much the same way I think you are as well, and much of the world is. Um, and so... On the one hand, we do know that uh, people are having a really hard time. Uh, rates of anxiety and depression are three times what they were this time last year, or I should say this time about a year ago before <laughs> the pandemic uh, started. But there, there is a silver lining, I think, to what's happening right now. The, the latest reports had people coming in with about 30% anxiety in the population, which is high. But that also means about 70% are, are doing fairly well. So I'm actually optimistic that a lot of people are rising to the occasion and, and managing themselves effectively. But uh, but I'm looking forward to this being over. And I suppose it's fair to say with people being forced to stay at home, it's inevitable that the voices in our heads will become such a prominent issue uh, because we are at home. A lot of people are, have been isolating on their own or with their family units. And that self-talk and the voices in our heads has become a bigger, bigger problem than ever. Yeah, well, I think I think that's that's a big piece of the equation. So there, there are two parts to this. The first is I spent about four years right working on this, on, on my book. If you had asked me at the outset, uh, all right, Ethan, I want you to design for me the perfect chatter event of the century of the past hundred years. Uh, if you had asked me to do that, <laughs> I would give you exactly what we've lived through over the past year, right? So once in a, in a, in a century pandemic, economic uncertainty. I don't know if that's true of, of, of you or not. So it's true of you there. Okay. So we've had a lot of economic instability. We've had political instability that you could have a whole other, like not just episodes, suite of episodes on, if you wanted to talk about that in the States. Uh, and we've also had a lot of like social discord between different groups. So these are situated, this is a situation that is filled with uncertainty and we don't have control. And we know that uncertainty and a lack of control those are propulsive forces that drive chatter, that drive this voice in our head to get 
get us stuck in rumination and worry and all the bad stuff. And then when you add on top of that, what you just said, so we've got this terrible situation we're dealing with, and then we're at home with a lot of time alone with our thoughts. I mean, this gives us a lot of time for, for chatter to brew and to, to reap its negative effects on us. And is it, you know, do people automatically think negative thoughts? Is that the normal thing to do in a situation like we are now that when you do chatter inside your head, that automatically it's, or it's predominantly negative chatter that we do? Well, there's huge variability. Um, so let me break things down a little bit because I think it's useful. And, you know, I've been talking to people about the inner voice and chatter um, f- for the past month, pretty much every day. And people have different views on what those concepts are. And so uh, the inner voice is something that we all possess. And I think it's a superpower. You could think about it as the Swiss army knife of the mind. It helps us do lots of things, everything from hold a little piece of information in mind, like when you're verbally repeating a phone number silently in your head, to uh, planning, like what you're going to say on a date, or if you've got to give a presentation at work, to trying to make sense of the world. Like, why did that happen? What what am I feeling? Right. Our, our inner voice helps us do all of those things and many other things, and that's good. It's helpful. The inner voice can sometimes be, be negative. I would say that being negative, having some negative self-talk, isn't in and of itself a bad thing, right? Like my ability to feel a little bit of anxiety, that's a good thing sometimes. Like if I've got to prepare to to give a big, big speech, like it's good to have a little bit of anxiety that motivates me to then spend some time preparing. When negative self-talk and negative emotions become harmful is when they become prolonged, when they morph into chatter, which is we experience that little dose of negativity or anxiety or sadness or anger, and then we keep feeling it over and over and over again. That's what chatter is. Not every attempt to reflect on our life internally leads to chatter, but but many of those attempts do. And, and so, um, so it's not always, it's not the case that turning inward always leads us to experience chatter, but it, but it is a vulnerability that exists. Okay, tell us more about the conscious mind. What is it? Well, the conscious mind uh, refers to your awareness of what's happening in your head. And a lot of what's happening in our heads is it, uh, the overwhelming majority of our thinking is, is happening subconsciously, right? Like you're not aware, like you're nodding at me right now in a very amicable way. Thank you. Uh, you're giving me positive <laughs> feedback. You're not consciously telling yourself to move your head up and down, right? And smile. It's just autopilot. Much of what we do is on autopilot, right? We don't think about where to put our foot every time we walk, but we possess this pretty cool capacity. Human beings possess this ability to become aware of things. And so if I experience a really difficult um, interaction with one of my students or colleagues, I can think about that consciously. What went wrong there? Why did they say that to me? Did the thing that I say piss them off? Should I not have said that? So that's, that's taking our spotlight and, and, and focusing on a particular situation consciously to, to work through it. And, um, and so that's an example of, of what the conscious mind can help us do. And, and that too is an amazing superpower, right? Like that's what makes us different from lots of other organisms. The thing about the conscious mind though, that is so interesting to me is that it serves us so well, so much of the time, 
but it can also get us into big, big trouble, like when it leads to chatter. Let me say one more thing about, about consciousness, and then I'll shut up and I'll throw it back to you. <laughs> you could think of consciousness as, a, as, a, as like a tool. And, and think about a hammer. A hammer is a tool that we use to do marvelous things in this world, build houses. But, a, but the hammer in the wrong hands or use the wrong way, and by wrong hands, I mean if I were holding a hammer, it can be the source of destruction. It can cause a lot of damage. And so, you know, carpenters, they learn how to use tools the right ways. And a lot of what I do in my lab, a lot of what I talk about in my book is how do we figure out how to use the tool of self-talk more effectively, right? To make it work for us more of the time uh, than work against us. Okay. So the conscious mind has positives and negatives. So there, there are two yes. aspects to it. So sometimes it's a good thing and sometimes it's a bad thing. Yes. And we want to get it to be good more often than bad. And let's talk about the effects of it. So in terms of on a personal level, on a professional level, you know, if your conscious mind is delivering negative self-talk, presumably that has a massive impact on us personally and professionally. I think it, I think the, 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 when, when we experience chatter, the negative side of that conscious verbal mind, um, it can upend all that we hold dear in life. And I realize that that is a bold statement and I'm not, I'm not one who likes to exaggerate. So let me try to back that up. Okay. Um, chatter can impact us in three domains that I think are three domains that really make life worth living. The first is work and, and performance. So we know from lots and lots of research that when people become consumed with a problem, they ruminate and worry about it excessively. That makes it very difficult for them to focus and perform while at work. Carl, have you ever had the, 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 have you ever tried to read a couple of pages in a book when you are worried about something only to get to the end and realize you don't remember anything you've read. Guilty as charged. <laughs> Guilty as charged. You and every other human being who reads and has experienced chatter. We have a limited limited amount of, of limited ability to focus our attention at any given moment of time. And if all that attention is being soaked up by our chatter, there's nothing left to do to do what we need to do at work. Right. So so chatter can powerfully undermine our ability to uh, to perform well. And this is a a problem that ranges from the billions to the trillions, depending on the estimate that you look at in terms of the kinds of mental health impairments that chatter can provoke. Um, so that's, that's work and, and sports and school, like what I just talked about. Pretty important domains of life. Let's talk about relationships now. We also know that when people experience chatter, that can create friction in our relationships. And it can do so through a few different pathways. One thing that happens is when people experience chatter, they're often highly motivated to talk to other people about it, right? And we'll, maybe we'll talk about why that is later. But one of the things that often happens is they talk about their chatter and they keep talking about it and they keep talking about it and they keep talking about it. And that can have the effect of pushing other people that we know and love away because there's only so much listening that our friends and loved ones can do. And so there's research which shows that talking excessively about what's happening in our head can have negative relational effects. Chatter can also lead to something called displaced emotion. So this is the phenomenon, right? Something stressful happens at work. I'm consumed with it. It's really annoying me. I come home, I'm at my desk. My daughter comes in my office and, and interrupts me. It's an innocent interruption, but I explain, why did you interrupt me? 
right? We're displacing our emotion on someone else. It's a very common phenomenon. And so that's another way that chatter can impact our relationships and cause relational damage. So we've got work, we've got relationships. The third domain is our physical health. Um, we often hear that, that, that stress kills, and, and that's not exactly true, actually. Uh, the ability to have a stress response, really, really useful response. When you're in the presence of a threat, what a stress response does is it quickly mobilizes resources it, within us to, that tells us either to approach or avoid, fight or flee. Very, very helpful. What's not helpful is when our stress response goes up and then remains chronically elevated over time. And chatter plays a role in doing that because we experience a stressor. Say, you say something really nasty to me, which I hope you don't say, but let's say you do, and, and I, I have a stress reaction. Then we end this interview, and I keep thinking about what you said to me over and over again. I'm essentially recreating that stress response through thinking, and I'm keeping it alive. And that explains how, how stress can actually exert wear and tear on the body through chatter, which can lead to things like cardiovascular disease and certain types of cancer and inflammation. So, so in terms of what the stakes are, I think they're pretty significant. You know, we're talking about our relationships, our health and work, and um, those things matter a lot to a lot of people. And if you can harness the conscious mind, it can be a force of good, a force of positive, and a very powerful force in our lives. But it's all about harnessing it correctly. That's right. That's right. So, so then the question is, all right, so we've got this chatter. So what do we do about it, right? Like, do we try to silence our inner voice and just stop talking to ourselves? Eh, wrong answer. I don't think that's the right answer. Um, or do we try to actually use, to use the term you use and the term I use too, harness it, figure out how do we bring the conversations we have with ourselves back on track so that they're working for us rather than leading us astray in, in this other way. And the good news is that um, lots of science-based tools exist to help us do that. Uh, you know, I spent the past 20 years studying what those tools are. They're, they're, often, they're often things that, some people are doing without even knowing, um, but they're, they're tools that are, I would say, are hidden in plain sight. They're, they're, they're out there waiting to be used. There are th ways you can shift the way you're thinking about your circumstances that can be helpful, ways of talking to other people that can be useful, and even ways of navigating our physical worlds that can help us change these conversations we have with ourselves. And I can't let you, let you end that there. You're gonna have to give us some of those tools. Okay. All right. I'll give you, I'll give you a couple examples. So, you know, I talk, they're like 26 tools that I talk about and um, you know, let me get to the end right at the start. There's no single magic bullet. Different tools work for different people in different situations. And, and I'm a proponent of something called a, a toolbox approach to managing chatter, which is you've got to use different combinations of tools to really uh, work on this situation. Um, that said, okay, so what are some things you could do? Well, some things you could do on your own. Uh, let's, in the context of the pandemic and COVID, I, I do something called temporal distancing. You might think of it as mental time travel. When we experience chatter, we tend to zoom in on a problem really narrowly. We think about, oh my God, how awful is it that I'm sitting in the same seat? I've gained 15 pounds. My kids won't leave me alone, right? We're just, all the terrible stuff is what our attention is focused on. 
In those instances, zooming out, being able to get some distance from our problems can be very useful. And, and temporal distancing is one way to do that. So I'll think about, well, how am I going to feel nine months from now when I'm vaccinated and I'm back to traveling and I'm sitting on a beach sipping one or three pina coladas? Um, what that does, that mental exercise does, is it makes it clear that what I'm experiencing now, as awful as it is, and to be clear, it's pretty awful, it's temporary. It will eventually pass. Highlighting the instability of what we're dealing with, this gives us hope. And we know that hope can be a very powerful tool for reducing chatter. That's traveling into the future. You could also travel into the past. And I do this too. I think about the pandemic of 1918. And I think to myself, well, that was actually worse, believe it or not, than what we're dealing with now. Death rates were higher. And guess what? There was no Zoom. There was no takeout. Like there were much more greater difficulties back then. And we got through it. We're here. So that again, that also puts my experience in perspective in ways that can be powerful for recalibrating these internal conversations. So that's one thing you could do on your own. Um, another thing you could do is something called distanced self-talk. So you could coach yourself through a problem like you giving advice to another person and actually use your name to do it as hokey as that might sound. So the next time I'm struggling with something, all right, Ethan, here's what you're going to do. We know that it is much easier for people to give advice to others than to take that advice ourselves. And what distance self-talk does is it uses, it, it, it gives, it uses language almost like a psychological jujitsu move to help people think about themselves like they were another person and coach themselves accordingly, right? Because we use names most of the time when we're thinking about other people and referring to other people. So when you use your own name to refer to yourself, it's, it's, it changes the way you, your perspective, the way you relate to yourself as you're coaching yourself through a problem. So that's another thing um, that a person can do on their own. Uh, should I keep going? I can oh, keep, keep going. going. This is fascinating. Yeah, give us at least okay. two or three more. Don't give us all of them okay. because people have to buy the book, obviously. But give us two or three more. This is this okay. is great. Uh, I'll give you. So those those are two techniques amidst many others that you do on your own. Okay, let's shift to a different bucket. The second bucket is what about our relationships? Ways of leveraging our relationships with other people to help us manage our chatter. Other people, it turns out, can be a powerful tool for helping us or hurting us, and and so I and and and, and it's a little complicated. So I, let me break it down. Uh, we often hear that it's really useful when we're dealing with chatter to just vent our emotions, just get it out, express our feelings. It turns out that venting our emotions that that makes let's say I'm venting to you about something that happened, that makes me and you feel really tight, really closely connected, our friendship bonds increase, right? It's, it feels good to know that there's someone who cares enough about me to empathize with me and take the time to listen. What, what, talk, what venting doesn't do, however, is it doesn't actually shift my perspective at all. It doesn't lead to a change the way I'm thinking about the situation. So, so what happens is I leave the conversation after venting. I feel really good about how, my relationship with you, but my problem is still there. And in fact, it's even even um, more on my mind than it was when I started because we just spent all this time rehashing my negative feelings. And so research shows that when people vent or in technical terms, when they co-ruminate, what this does is it leads people to feel closer and more connected, 
but it leads their problems to persist. So the thing that you want to do instead is find people who do ask you a little bit about what you felt and what you experienced. It is important to share our emotions to a certain degree, but who then additionally help help you look at the bigger picture. So, you know, if you if 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 you came to me with your problem, I'd ask you about what happened. I'd be like, oh, that was a oh, that sounds like a terrible guest you had from the states and the Midwest. And but you know, you've had other other obnoxious guests before. Have you? You know, it, 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 the feelings fade over time. You'll be okay. Or or let me tell you what I've done when I've dealt with a really hostile person. Here's how I manage the situation. So what I'm doing there is. I'm getting you to share and and I'm connecting with you, but I'm trying to shift your perspective to help you work through the chatter. And and so I think there's a really important lesson here for those of us who are seeking support for others, right? The lesson there is be really deliberate about who you choose to approach for help with your chatter. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very thoughtful about this. There are some people in my life who I'm very, very close to. I love them. They love me, at least I think. And I don't tell them about my chatter. I don't talk to them about it because I know they're not going to do anything to actually help me work through it. Instead, there are like three people that I go to for chatter problems in my personal life, four people I approach for help in my professional life. They're my like chatter advisors. I could count on them to do both of these things. And so I think there's a lesson for people seeking support, but then there's also a lesson here for us as support providers, what we can do to help folks who come to us. So that's one way that other people can help us. There are other things you could do with them too. Um, Let's shift to the last category. And then I'm going to give myself a break from talking too much, (laughs) uh, which is the environment. And, and we don't, when, when writing this book and researching it, the, the environmental tools here just fascinated me. Um, What, what scientists have discovered is that tools exist for, regulating your mind from the outside in. And so I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, One thing that we've discovered is that, well, we've known for a while that when people experience chatter, when they're stuck, they often feel like they don't have control of their thoughts. Their thoughts feel out of order. We've learned that, that you can compensate for that experience by ordering your surroundings. So tidying up, organizing. And so this explains why you have people like myself who are not particularly organized under normal circumstances, right? I've got books all over the place, clothing on the floor. But when I'm experiencing chatter, I will go into the kitchen, scrub down the counters, wash the dishes, put them neatly away. It's gotten to the point where I sometimes think my wife wants me to experience (laughs) chatter more frequently. But, But this is a way that I am regulating my head from the outside in. Very common um, a lot of people do this and it helps. Um, other thing, other, one other way that you can use your environment uh, that I think is pretty neat and may not be on every listener's radar is to seek out awe-inspiring experiences. Uh, did you watch the the Mars rover land last week by any chance or a couple of days yeah, ago? Yeah, so I saw some of the footage from it and it was, it was like that. It was like, oh my God, it was an amazing thing to see the footage of another planet being streamed down. It was incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And, and I would describe it as awe-inspiring. And so awe is an emotion we experience when we're in the presence of something vast and indescribable, which is exactly what 
interplanetary travel is for me. Like I, I, I'm still struggling to understand how we figured out flying <laughs> in this planet, let alone flying between planets without any people on the ships. I, it fills me with awe. And what we've learned is that when people experience awe, that, that is a powerful way of putting things in perspective, right? And it leads to something called a shrinking of the self. So when I'm contemplating interplanetary travel, like how that's possible, my own concerns, they feel a whole lot smaller. They shrink. And with those concerns, so shrinks our chatter. And so that's another way that people can try to regulate their chatter from the outside in, seek out awe-inspiring experiences. And you don't have to wait for the next Mars rover to land. You know, some people get awe by listening to amazing music or looking at a great piece of art or watching their kids do something monumental. And so uh, so there are lots of ways to try to cultivate that experience. And so one other example of a tool you can use. So, so that's what two, four, that's five tools. There are like 26 that I talk about in a book. And, you know, the book is really about the science of these tools and how it works and how they play out in people's lives. But the idea is that science has shined a spotlight on what these different tools are. And so that gives us an opportunity to be much more deliberate about how we use them in our lives. And I think there's potential value in, 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 in people knowing about those tools for that reason. You're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. My final question for you, because I could happily sit here all day and listen to hours of this conversation, because it, it's one of the beauty of having experts on the show is that when someone's really who loves their topic and knows their topic, they can just go. You introduce them, introduce the question, and off they go. And it's fascinating because I get to listen, I, which is great. I feel bad. I feel like I'm talking too much, but I feel like a wind-up toy sometimes. Like, I love this stuff. I live and breathe it. I could just keep going. So and it's, shut, a, and it's, a, it's shut, a fantastic... Shut me up if you want. Not at all. It's a fantastic way to be. You're passionate about what you do. You have the content and it's great to get to, to, to get an insight into it. My final question is around chatter and social media, because presumably Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of those things have a huge impact on the conscious mind, how we think about it, how we feel about it. If we see the, the, you know, the fabulous body or the fabulous person leading the fabulous life as, you, as we scroll through Instagram in the middle of a, of a pandemic. So presumably that has a massive impact on our conscious mind. It has to. Well, you know, social media is, I think of it as a, it's a new environment that we spend a lot of time interacting with and environments aren't good or bad. What makes an environment good or bad depends on, on what we do in that space. So let's, let's talk about the physical world first. The one that we're, we've spent most of our lives, well, at least maybe you and I, I don't know how old you are, but I'm, I'm how most of your time in the physical world or pretty maybe? much. Yeah. I'm 39 at 39 years young. Okay. 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 So we're the same vintage just about, and uh, you, your, your hair is much darker than mine, but <laughs> that aside, um, you know, when you're in the physical world, so you can go to good neighborhoods or bad neighborhoods. You can, you know, depend, you can have good conversations with people or bad conversations. And, and depending on if, you know, if you go to the wrong neighbor and talk to the wrong people, you're not going to feel good. If you go to the right people, right neighborhood and right neighborhood, you'll feel better. Social media is, is similar in that regard. There are ways of navigating social media that I think can be quite helpful for us when we're dealing with chatter. For example, social media expands our social networks in ways that provide us with opportunities to give and receive support for chatter in ways that we've never had before as a species. At the same time, 
social media can get us in trouble too when it comes to chatter and it can do so through a variety of ways. So one way is, you know, um, if we are constantly exposing ourselves to the glorified lives of others, uh, there's research which shows that that tends to make people feel envious about and bad about their own lives, right? They're, so, they're comparing themselves to others and they can experience chatter about that. Arguably even worse and more problematic are is the phenomenon of cyberbullying and trolling that plays out on social media. Social media in a certain sense gives us a giant megaphone to broadcast our inner voice to the world. But the, the, the physics that characterize how that megaphone works is different from an offline megaphone. So before I say something in the physical world, like if I have to take into account, like who's going to listen to what I say, is someone there to hear it? Or if, if I, let's say I really don't like you, right? I have to look at you and tell you that. And I'm getting empathy cues back that my words are harmful. So there's a humanizing element to engaging with other people offline that is missing online, right? On social media, we are de dehumanized to a certain extent. It's just a prompt where we can share what we're feeling. And that makes it easier to share things that are ugly. And, and we can see how that plays out with cyberbullying and trolling, which can have devastating effects on people's lives. And so I, I think social media is is fascinating. I think what we need to be doing is using science to give us a roadmap, right? Socialization gives us lessons about how to navigate the world that are incredibly important. Our parents teach us at a very young age, go here, don't go there, say this, don't say that. Here are your manners, here are the norms that dictate how you live in this world and live well. I never got that socialization for social media. No one taught me how to use it. I still don't know how to use it. My graduate students try to teach me. I end up getting in trouble by clicking the wrong thing, right? So, <laughs> so what we need are, we, we need to start socializing society into how you use this technology well. And right now, that's just not happening. We're just figuring out as we go, as we move along. And in fact, that's, I, I think that was like one of the guiding principles of Facebook, like move fast and break stuff. Well, we're breaking some stuff. Like we are making accomplishments too, but I think now's the time to step back, think about what have we learned about how to profitably navigate this space? And let's start teaching people about, about how to do that more frequently. Cause I think there are, uh, there are real stakes here uh, to doing that. Ethan, it's been absolutely fascinating catching up and getting your tips and tools around the conscious minds and how we can improve it over the course of these troubling times. Thank you so much for joining us all the way from the States today. It's the beauty of vir virtual chats that we can literally go anywhere in the world right now. Your book is called Chatter and it's out in all good bookstores and online now. Ethan Cross, thank you so much for joining us. Much appreciated. Folks, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Great tips and great tools from Ethan to improve your mental health. As ever, you know where we are, at PT on Twitter and on Instagram. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review if you've liked what you've heard. As ever, we'll see you next week. Slong Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.